The following program was made possible by Ward's lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Hey, welcome to the show. Big things that take place across our big country do originate from the relatively small but big thinking Lindsay. You know, I think it's going to be one of the like single most modern looking um, advanced buildings in this in this city, and I hope it serves as a blueprint for other people moving forward. Ryan Oliver takes us on a tour of the soon-to-be new headquarters for Pingwalk, a nonprofit organization that delivers STEAM education to youth and adults in our area, but also to those from coast to coast to coast. We hear a lot about the real estate market's ups, downs, and sideways, but mostly on a national level. How's it being felt and dealt with locally here in Kawartha Lakes? Realtor Chelsea Boyd will explain. Baseball is on its way back. Yeah, I know it never really left, but now it's really back. Uber Jays fan Sandy Gowder tells us what the game means to her, and especially what it's meant to her these past three years since, you know... And we get a new word, courtesy of the KLPL's Lindsay Heffernan. A hint, I'm very grateful for Lindsay's contribution. And I'm grateful to all of you these past three years for listening to the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Let's face it, buying or selling a house has never not been stressful. Exciting, maybe. Promising, sure, but almost always stressful. Especially this past year, which has seen prices go up, 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 then down, down some more. Add in those almost daily bumps in mortgage rates, and no doubt sellers and buyers have been on edge a bit. So what does the future hold, especially here in Kawartha Lakes, where we like to think our situation and geography are unique, but are they? Chelsea Boyd is with the Boyd Real Estate Team here in Kawartha Lakes. She also grew up in the area. I met with Chelsea at the Boyd offices in Lindsay and started by asking her, How would you describe the climate in real estate now versus what it was at this time last year, for instance? So this time last year, I would say we were at the highest pricing that we've seen. Um, So it is much lower than it was. And houses are sitting for a lot longer than they were. You know, like this time last year, you would sell a house in about seven days. And now they're sitting, you know, I think the average days on market is like 54 days. You're in the industry, so could you predict what was going to happen? And I'm just wondering how you braced yourself for that. Sort of. Like, after a few months of getting used to it, like, okay, we're going to be putting an offer in on a house with a buyer, and there's going to be likely 10 other offers. You could prepare yourself after kind of getting used to that for the first couple months. Um, And you could kind of predict where the price was going to land because most, or not most, but a lot of them were landing $100,000 over asking, some even $200,000 over asking. Mm. So it was overwhelming. Um, Overwhelming for you, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not a nice feeling. It's not a nice feeling having a buyer with you and... You want to be able to do what's best for them, but they're looking at you like, what number should I put in? It's listed at 500,000. We're against 10 other offers. What number should we put in? And so it's, it's hard to give advice in that, in that moment because you don't know where it's going to land. When did you see things start to change in this area? March, April last year. 
What was your reaction when you saw it? Shock. It was. I was shocked, honestly, because at that time, you could buy first and then sell. That was kind of the name of the game because it was more difficult to buy a house. Mm. And then it was almost within a week. Everyone noticed all the buyers just kind of fell off. The interest rates went up, and I think people were just done. Buyers, buyer fatigue, people were just over it. They were saying, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not fighting 10 other people for this house. I'm just going to take a step back and uh, take a break. And it almost happened in one huge wave, like, like everybody decided amongst themselves that they were going to do it together? It, yeah, like it felt like it to me at least but i was still so new at the time as well that that massive shift in market was something that i had obviously never experienced how would you compare this market here in kawartha lakes to what i'm seeing on the national news when they talk about toronto or any other major center or even a, a center this size but on the other side of toronto and another part of the province i would say it's comparable we're pretty much on par i would say with the trends that are happening in Toronto um, and in other smaller towns. Uh, we do have lack of inventory. We need more houses. The one thing that does make us unique it's in this area is we saw a lot of this during uh, the pandemic. The Torontonians who left the major GTA center to come to either the cottage or they bought a, a property here. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of us here who are, um, are, are not cottagers, who, who grew up here mm -hmm. and who've moved here, we take a look at this and go, okay, well, I wonder how they're going to feel when Toronto becomes Toronto again. And uh, is it fair to say that a lot of those people are now returning to Toronto? I'm just wondering how that has changed the landscape here. Yes, I would say yes. I've witnessed it a couple times just from my own personal interactions with clients. People have bought, they bought for the highest price point that we've seen ever. And they've realized, oh, it's boring or, you know, to them, you know. And it became it, more boring when they realized that Toronto was opening up again. Yeah, exactly. So I, my, on my parents' road, it's a perfect example, just north of Fenland. There was a people who bought a beautiful home right there. Um, within eight months, they relisted it because they were like, get us out of here. <laughs> we want to move back to the city. You're on the front lines here at Chelsea. You see the people who are coming in, the people who are settling in. What can you tell me, based on what you've witnessed these past few years, about what Kawartha Lakes will not just look like in the future, but what it, what it will feel like? We're already seeing quite a bit of diversity happen, which I love. Um, with the new subdivisions coming up, like I already know a handful of people who have purchased that, so I'm, I'm just saying I hope with the new subdivisions coming up we will be seeing more inventory because people will be moving into those newer homes. But yeah, I've been helping quite a few people who are ready for the more settled down life. You know, you've seen some big changes in the last 12 months. Yeah. Where do you see the industry, if, if, if you can even predict or, or take a stab at what it might look like? I would say it's heating up again. Prices are kind of rising again a little bit. We're about the same pricing as we were in 2020. Right now we're a little bit lower, but not too much. I would say this is gonna be kind of the new normal for pricing. I don't see a huge crash in this area specifically. We're growing. We're, we're seeing more people coming here. We're seeing development happening, and I don't think it's gonna slow down. Hi, I'm Chelsea Boyd. I'm from Lindsay. I'm with Boyd Real Estate Team, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes.
We are brought to you by Ward's Lawyers. If you're ever in need of a lawyer, hey, just do what I did a while back when I needed someone to manage a contract before I signed it. Contact Ward's Lawyers via their website at wardlegal.ca. Carissa Ward and her team can meet any and all of your legal needs, which extend way beyond looking over a contract. We are also part of the Advocate magazine, which you can find all over Kawartha Lakes. In the March issue, read all about the Portugal trip taken by magazine designer Christina Dedis. Not going to say it, not going to say it. Won't even dare say that the P word is over after three years, because it's not really. But we are in a better place, for sure, than we were even at this time last year. So I'm just going to refer to this more promising, hopeful time as the Scottish play. Yeah, that sounds safer. Getting to a better place in mind and spirit has been a challenge. Many of us really sought the solace of a happy place, our happy place. For Sandy Gowder of Lindsay, that comfortable space starts at this time of year. The start of baseball season, the start of Blue Jays season. And first pitch crushing! So I think what drew me to baseball uh, probably goes back to when I was growing up at home and we would watch the Expos long before the Blue Jays were ever around. And when I met my husband, Richard, um, we, the Blue Jays were participating in the World Series. It was 1992 when I met him, September of 1992. And we got wrapped up in the whole World Series frenzy, and it was a big part of our courtship, and it's remained a big part of our life since then. Blue Jays win it! The Blue Jays! When the, I think it was the second baseball strike, we kind of drifted away from baseball. It was went on for too long. We kind of lost touch with it. And then probably... Three or four years ago, when this new team started coming together, all the young ones, the excitement around Bo Bichette and Vladdy Guerrero and, and all this, this new up-and-coming team kind of re-energized the interest in the game. And now we can't get away from it. I mean, we're checking the baseball scores. We're reading who's been traded, who's coming, who's going, what's happening with the coaches, all that kind of stuff. It just kind of reignited the, the interest and the love of the game. Driven to right field. It's deep. It's I think now that, that I've gotten back into it in the last two or three years, I think I'm more of a fan and a fanatic than I ever used to be. I, I know nuances of the game that I never knew before. So for some reason, maybe it's the team, I don't know, but it's just made me appreciate the game for what it is. I remember when COVID started, um, that baseball was one of those things where we could still socialize with people because it happens mostly when the weather is good. So we went so far as installing a TV in our garage. We had lazy boys out there, old lazy boys that we didn't care about. And we actually had people over to watch the game in the garage. The doors open. It was, you know, physically distanced and socially responsible and all that kind of stuff. So it was a way to not only enjoy the game, but also reconnect with people in a safe way. And if that's the case, that's a home run. Swinging a drive. You know, they had a tough go of it. Being the only Canadian team, like it just, what they weren't at home. And you kind of felt for these players being like the oddballs in this whole pandemic time of baseball and them 
having to struggle through that, never going home, and they did really well. I mean, all things considered, they came out in pretty good shape. So over the past three years, having gone through COVID and the pandemic and, and all the social restrictions that were placed on us, it probably solidified my uh, appreciation of the team and my commitment to them as a fan. I, I'm excited that baseball is starting because it reminds me that winter's over, there's spring coming, and spring means I'm going to be outside gardening and I can still listen to the Blue Jays while I'm out gardening, and listen to a game in the car. Watching the Blue Jays has just become an integral part of my life now that I never would have imagined. Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! If these guys make it to the World Series this year, which I'm hoping and thinking they might, I, I am looking forward to hanging out in the bar at Game 7 of the World Series when they win, just like my husband and I were there at a bar in 1992 in downtown Toronto when they won, and we were able to walk up Young Street. Just being with other people celebrating, I'm, looked, I'm hoping that's going to happen this year. It's always more fun to do that with other people. I'm Sandy Gowder, and I live in Lindsay, Ontario. And you are listening to the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. You're listening to the Advocate Podcast, brought to you by Ward's Lawyers, for whom I am extremely grateful for being the only and official sponsor of this show since it was launched more than three years ago. Very, very grateful. You know, there's got to be an even better word than grateful to express my gratefulness for what Carissa and Jason Ward have done here. A word that really drives it all home. A word that is... Well-defined. 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 What does that mean, anyway? Well-defined. According to the dictionary... Lindsay Heffernan has also been an integral part of our show since its launch. Lindsay is a library specialist, outreach and community engagement at Kawartha Lakes Public Library. She's also the person... We've gone to when we're looking for a well-defined new word, which she will deliver as she always does. But first, Lindsay joins me on the line, and I'm hoping you can start out by giving us the upshot on what's going down at our local library these days. Absolutely. Well, hey, it's finally spring, and I don't know about you, but I'm very ready for it. Yes. And I've been noticing <laughs> a few robins around my yard. I'm wondering if you've noticed any you know, birds coming back and anything around your house right uh, right now, Denise? A lot of a lot of birds, a lot of robins and uh, certainly blue jays and uh, what are the little yellow ones that I, I should know this? I'm no expert, but I've seen so many <laughs> of them. A sparrow maybe? I don't know my birds very well, well either. But, they uh, have wings and legs. Yes, and I've seen a lot of them. And uh, yes, well, we set up a bird feeder a few years ago, uh, like so many people during uh, the height of the pandemic. And so we've attracted a lot of birds, including uh, the one that you just mentioned. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, for those, uh, we've actually just introduced a new birding kit so you can become a birding explorer in your own backyard um, if you want to sort of go a little bit beyond your backyard we've also got some resources included in that birding kit that shows where else you can check out the local wildlife so there's some resources to visit Ken Reed um, to visit other conservations in the area so um, we're really excited to have that birding kit out and of course just in time for spring to uh, to check out all those birds that are flying back to our area. And so neat to that, uh, Lindsay, that it's not just birds in general, but you're you're right. I mean, I see people on on our road here out near Dunsford all the time birding, checking out birds. So they're 
this really is a, a hotbed for birds, isn't it? This, this it whole absolutely area. is. Yeah, there's so and there's so many professionals that can tell you all sorts of birds that you you know what you and I didn't even know existed because I don't think you, you or I know very many birds. So we can maybe learn a thing or two from oh, uh, checking out the local wildlife. A thing or two or maybe a thousand. Well, thank you so much for making that available <laughs> to us. And thank you for our word, which I've been struggling to. I'm looking for a better word than just gratefulness. If that's even a word, what do you have for us? Yeah. So I, I kept thinking about that saying, you know, words can't express how grateful or thankful I am, which so, sort of sounds a little bit like how you're feeling. Um, so I've got a word that I think you can use to express um, your appreciation in just the right way. So what I would suggest that you say is uh, something like, thank you so much. I appreciate your conviviality and generosity. Okay, well, I know what generosity is, so I'm going to guess it's conviviality. That's the one you're you're going with? You got it. Conviviality. So that sort of means the quality of being friendly and welcoming, and that sounds exactly like uh, how you were describing ward lawyers uh, earlier in the segment. And you know what? I would uh, also suggest that that is a perfect word for all the contributions you've made for our show over the past three years. Oh, well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well, I am grateful and convivial, if that's if that's the root word of it. I'm, I'm <laughs> thankful for everything you've done for us for these past three years, Lindsay. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Denny. I, I enjoy doing it. Big thanks to Lindsay Heffernan of Kawartha Lakes Public Library for her conviviality and well-defined contributions to the Advocate Podcast. It started out a little more than 10 years ago as an idea, a concept. That idea grew into a real teaching organization geared to Inuit youth, introducing them to digital technology via games, art, and good old-fashioned play. Well, it wasn't long before Pingwalk's mission to bring STEAM, that's the acronym for science, tech, engineering, art, and math, extended well beyond just the Arctic. The nonprofit, comprised of 80 people of professional educators, mentors, trainers, developers, now reaches kids in rural, remote, indigenous, and other communities all across Canada. And Pingwok manages the bulk of this from its head office right here in Lindsay. A head office that, like the organization, is also growing, literally. Pingwok will soon be pulling up stakes from its present location on Adelaide Street in Lindsay and heading to that former Municipal Public Works building on the northwest corner of Wellington and Peel. Once the three-story building has undergone a significant renovation to meet Pingwok's vision, Ryan Oliver is one of the founders and CEO of Pingwok. He gave me a physical, not virtual, a physical tour of how this vision will unfold in the coming months in its new STEAM Education and Entrepreneurship Center for Youth and Adults. So the whole building is taken over, not just one floor, but the whole thing. That's right, yeah. So 15,000 square feet. This used to be a big boardroom for the city. This is essentially going to be our makerspaces, and so there's going to be a new door coming in on the north side. There'll be a new like ramp system built there, and then this will be the entrance to the space for the, the public, essentially. The full ramp in, and you'll be able to just you know kind of drive in, drop your kids off, and, and leave, or, or park across the road, because we have the parking lot as well. And then this, this is going to be two separate makerspaces. Makerspaces are spots you can come and, and learn and use tools you may not have access to at home and, and get access to all that stuff. And, and this is going to be, I think it's close to, to 3,000 square feet alone. This wall in the center dividing the two makerspaces will be removable. Um, we had to tear it down first to make sure it wasn't uh, load-bearing, right. uh, which it's not. 
you can tell because things move way too easy. Are these then, all terms that you were familiar with beforehand, load bearing and such? Uh, I've had to learn them, yeah. Like I, I've, uh, I've taken down some wrong walls in the past, so we, we got to learn it good. Uh, but we have, a, we have a really good construction team. Our design team is, is Homes by Tim and Chris, and then our construction team is O'Neill and Carol, and they're, they're handling all the, all the real things. I just dream, and then they make, tell me it's not possible, or it is possible. <laughs> well, let's talk a bit about that dream, because your location out on Adelaide was it's substantial as well, but at what yeah. point did you realize that, uh, okay, we're outgrowing this, and, and we gotta start? Yeah, the, the first day we moved in. Um, it, was, uh, it was the best we could get at the time. It was great for what we did. Uh, but the very first day we hosted programming there for the public, um, it was sold out in 10 minutes and, and we had a waiting list that could have filled the place three times as much. The nice thing about this place is it puts us downtown. You know, we are going to take 50% of that parking lot, um, attach the building beside the curling club and turn that into a, an outdoor play area that's going to have kind of access to, it's going to be one of the most unique playgrounds in, in the Quarth Lakes and that it's going to focus on like science, it's going to be a play, like an outdoor play space focused on science and technology. Our existing space, in terms of what's open to the public, is about a thousand square feet, and this gives us 4,500 immediately just for the open to the public stuff, and then and then two more floors of uh, of existing space for our staff. I live a couple blocks away from here. I'm in Sussex, and every day I walk my dogs past this building, and it wasn't being sold was step was part one and the step two was every time I would walk by I'd be like this like this is ours I, I, I can see how we can get this and so that's when uh, that's when we kind of went back with with a little bit more do you think you would have had that uh, sentiment if you weren't walking past here with your yeah. dog like to see it and to be yeah. reminded of what could be yeah I, who knows I, I think like the reality is like we knew we had to get a spot that would allow us to kind of fulfill our full potential um, in terms of like what the public wanted from us uh, for the for a space like this travels across Canada. We're a national team. We have over 80 staff now. Um, more than half of those staff uh, are active across the rest of the territory, or rest of the country, rather. Uh, and this area here will be storage for those teams. We have a couple of vans that are constantly going. They need to just be able to pull up, grab what they're grabbing, and then drive off wherever they're going next. And it's as far as Moose Factory sometimes, and, and as close as Curve Lake First Nation, and so where we have another makerspace. This wall is coming down, all of this will come down, and this will be really more focused on adult and, and arts programming. Well, maybe your next construction project is an airstrip so you can put in an airport nearby. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> so these walls will come out so that we have the full space. It used to be that there was only one way in here from an accessibility standpoint, and it was this kind of wooden wheelchair ramp. But uh, as a part of the condition of the sale, they built a former sellers built a proper elevator for us, so we have a brand new elevator. It's going to allow us to uh, tear down that wheelchair ramp, put another one up, up on the north side, and then build the playground there where it used to be. And we can't even fit a full classroom in our existing makerspace, and now we're going to be able to fit two full classrooms in this space. We're working right now with the city to rezone some of the, the front area to allow buses to be able to stop and drop kids off, um, because this place should be full 24-7. It's, it's, uh, um, it's, it's going to be able to just be able to support the community that much better. Yeah. And I will look out here and just see like a, a buzz of activity of little kids. Yeah, and, and, yeah. Yeah. and if it's big enough, that whole wall will, will be pushed back. It's going to be um, 
a transparent like uh, it's it's being designed right now, but it won't be like a hotel ballroom wall. It's going to be more of like a, a see-through wall that that's that allow that works with soundproofing if you need it, but also like allows you to see the activity no matter where you are. Can you see that now in your mind, Ryan? Because I'm looking at just plain bare studs and wire. When when you look out there, do you can you close your eyes and see what it's going to look like? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll show you on the on the designs, and I think you'll see it too. This will be. Perfect for a podcasting audience because they won't be able to see what we're uh, looking theater at. Theater of the mind, Ryan. <laughs> theater of the mind. I'll paint the picture. You know, here's your here's your new entrance. You come in. There's there's an open area with with cubbies for for coats and for boots, uh, and then you can enter one of two maker spaces. Um, you can kind of get a sense from the pictures, examples of like what these spaces will look like. And essentially, you know, they're full of color, they're full of learning, they're full of action, and, and uh, they'll have everything from 3D printers to robots to computers, you know, separate areas just for computers. Uh, and, and that'll be the space. And then you'll have the third maker space back here with a sink with a vent system built so that we can have artists in there um, who can use things like oil paints or carving. Um, as well as adult programming, if there is kids programming going on in the front area. So, when I look at this, Ryan, I see drawings that were done by architects, and, and, and I, I can see, you know, I can measure lengths and distances. What do you see when you look at something like this? Yeah, I think, like for me, I think I, I just see like the space we've been needing for for however many years it's been, close to five years now, um, just in terms of like being able to uh, really. Kind of take that next step to make this more than just like you see the future. This, yeah, exactly. Okay, what are these little circles here? Are those tables? Uh, is that the, yeah. the little concourse area? Like a yeah. And so this this floor in particular that we're on right now is going to be uh, specifically for the public. And so we are going to make this space available to other not for profits, for other uh, for artists, for other creators uh, that want to come in and use this space. And I do think like part of our team is going to be on this floor as well. But we already know like we're going to have. A child therapist that's going to work out of here. That's going to that's going to be sometimes a part of our team, sometimes running his own practice. But uh, this is a guy that we've been working with for years now. Uh, that's going to going to join here. We're, we're hoping to have some of the arts arts councils and arts networks joining us in this space, um, as well as other other creators. You know, part of when I was speaking to town council um, earlier this week or last week, I guess it was. Uh, one of the things I said is is you know I, I had a list of just every game every piece of software, every piece of technology that exists in our world that we're familiar with that has someone from Lindsay on that team. And there's there's multiple billions of dollars uh, in projects from like the, the FIFA franchise uh, for soccer. Uh, that's that's made in Burnaby, BC. And there's at least three people from Lindsay on that team. A big part of what Bingwalk does is create mentors. And it's, it's a lot easier to see yourself in this industry. It's a lot easier to see a future for yourself in this industry if you know other people that are in this industry as well. I grew up with, you know, in the 1990s at IE Weldon when all the kids that were in my computer science class ended up going into the industry. So it was very accessible for me. It was, it was, you know, I knew 30 people in that class and they all went on and were making the biggest games on the planet. And so for me, when I saw a backdoor into this industry after failing out of film school, it was, uh, was, it was like, oh, I'll just work with the guys I already know. I'll work with the teams I already know. And now I want that same thing. And so on our third floor, when we were, we have our core offices, you know, like I said, a big part of what we do is mentorship. We, we make an average of... I would say 10 apps, games, uh, and websites or, or learning management systems every single year uh, for different clients. And we do that in a not-for-profit model where when we build that, we build it with a team of learners that we have, in this case, in the basement. 
take me to that day in September or the fall of 2023 when the doors finally swing open here for the first time and you can walk up and down here and you won't be seeing wires. What you're going to see are, are, are just kids and adults exuding this energy and this learning. Have you even envisioned yeah. that day? What's that going to be like for you? It helps coming off of COVID to even like extra emphasize this is like, it's just going to be alive. And I think it's like a feeling that we've have rarely gotten over the last three years of just like community being able to come back together and like continue like push forward together essentially. You're specifically making this building beyond just kids in here learning STEAM. Oh, absolutely, yeah. What was that decision? What led to that decision to, to create a, a, an artistic hub? Because, because some of the things you've described in here are, are not just about the kids. It's about yeah. creating a space for Lindsay for, for, for performing arts and, and a recording studio. Yeah. What led to that decision? Um, I mean, I think like the saying goes, there's no interest like self-interest. And for me, it's like, it's I want to build a space that I wish I had when I was a kid. And most importantly, that like my kids will have access to. In the early 2000s, uh, I wanted to have good bands in this town. And so I started a company called Dog Bus Music. We brought punk and metal bands on a regular basis. Uh, and worked with Ray Marshall in the Academy Theater to like build a scene for five years that that built the music scene we wanted. And we're trying to do the same thing with this. This is just like this is what we wish we had when we were kids here. I think there's like this general understanding in Lindsay that you go here till you're 18, and then you move away until you're 30, and then you come back divorced or you come back, like what like or because you're broke. And uh, and this is going to be that middle ground. It's already happening for our staff, right? Like we have staff in their 20s that are staying in Lindsay and staying in the Kortha Lakes and building this community in a way that like the previous generations lost because we all left to go like cut our teeth in Toronto. And I think a big part of what we do is, is try to prove that like rural communities have a voice in this, uh, in indigenous communities do, remote communities do, uh, and you don't have to go to Toronto to take that next step. You can do it from anywhere. I don't like living in big cities, so I gotta make the ones I live in better. <laughs> so. That is going to be such a cool space when it's completed later this year. My thanks to Ryan Oliver, Pingwalk CEO and Visionary for that tour. And a whole bunch more thanks going out. In this, the last episode of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. After more than three years and almost 90 episodes, we've made the very difficult decision to wrap it up. A fun and rewarding run that would not have happened without Roderick Benz, publisher of The Advocate magazine, and the support of so many loyal and engaged listeners and story suggesters like Trevor, Jamie, Glenda, Denise, Mark, and the other Mark, Mike, Kathy, Sharon, Andrew, Colleen, Craig, Guy, to name just a few. Thanks to the many musicians who were so generous with their time and art, and there are so many of them in Kawartha Lakes. A big thank you especially to Gerald Van Halteren, the creative force behind our theme and musical bridges for each and every episode. Carissa and Jason Ward, along with your CEO, Melissa Weems, how can I even begin to thank you for making this show possible, a reality? Your unwavering support since day one cannot be overstated. You took a chance three years ago, and because of that, I, I really believe you did what you always do. You made our community richer. To quote Lindsay Heffernan, I am grateful for the conviviality of all these folks. And an extra big thanks to my partner in everything creative and otherwise, and my wife and a Rapero native, Nancy Payne. Nancy, your experience and professional training as a radio producer, which I drew on always, made this gig what I'd hoped it would be. 
delivering nice stories about our community and the people in it. So glad I constantly looked for a reason to walk down the hall at CBC Radio all those years ago to, uh, you know, just talk to you. And hey, we're not going anywhere. So while I may no longer be the host of a local podcast, I'm still your neighbor. À la prochaine. Okay, Dan, coffee's ready. All right, Nance, thanks. I'll be right there to queue up Ted Lasso.